All right, pronouncers, welcome back to another episode of Printavo Pronouncers Podcast. Very excited to be able to share with you a really cool guest today. I'm blown away at the tape industry and also at Andrew's engineering. He's been taught some good lessons in life and you can see it coming out in his business. It's it's pretty impressive. What about you? Yeah, so PMI Tape, we're talking with Andrew um, James is dead started the business, but he's, he's out running it now. The, they make more than 21 miles of tape a day and, uh, it's using people, it's using robots, it's using some very advanced equipment in QA that I'm just sort of mind blown about that, that, uh, we don't have yet. I think Steven's going to buy a couple of robot arms after no. this, but, oh, never mind. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Excited to jump in. Andrew's super sharp about this and, um, we'll get onto it, but real quick, we've got a couple of awesome sponsors. We want to tell you all about these are the folks that you need to check out. First off, multicraft underscore daddy, Steven Bruce, have you heard of multicraft underscore daddy? Um, well, <laughs> if you need ink supplies or a daddy, Multi- Wait, you didn't even let me say who's that. Oh, forgot. Sorry. Because you know, um, he's got like, I think he's got <laughs> 600 followers now, maybe. No idea. Amazing. For over 50 years, they've been providing you with top brands at competitive prices. You mentioned the Printable podcast. You'll receive an extra 10% off your first order. And they are opening up a state-of-the-art facility in the suburbs of Chicago that is going to be insane. I have seen some pictures of it. Um, I don't think I got the naming rights. I wanted daddy shack, but I don't think I got that. Um, it's going to be awesome. So thanks so much. Multicraft. That may be fine. All right. So if you listen to the super color episode, you heard about their next gen transfer. I've ordered it. We've tested it here, which is pretty cool. Um, but super colors innovated its transfers to make them even more, um, easier to use actually. So the window of peel time is a lot easier. The flexibility of being able to use different heat presses, it's easier. Uh, it's just easier to peel. Um, you've got more confidence with it. You can decorate with it faster. And as you know, time is money. So regardless of the type of equipment you're using, of which they have tested a lot of different presses, which is really cool. Um, Supercolor wants to make it easy. They want to make it super fast. And uh, they've got some really cool stuff. I know you guys are trying them too. So make sure you go to supercolor.com. If you want to see and learn about it slash super new, give them a try. Or if you're using them in the past, give them a try again. 15% off your order. Use 15. Printavo 15. Sorry, Printavo 15. Yeah, that episode we did with them live was awesome at Long Beach. Um, always yeah, a great time so, with Ram uh, and Mike. And open. It's crazy just the R&D of, of being yeah. able to innovate on. Um, and their next-gen transfer is sick. Like, they had it running on the Stampinator freaking four or 500 pieces an hour. So, um, but... We're going to talk about tape today, but also that you shouldn't spend all day cleaning dirty screens Easy Ways line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. Bruce, what are your favorite Easy Way chemicals? <laughs> well, your favorite are 701 and 842. We won't talk um, about your favorite one that Alex is coming out with, but if you value a company to help with how-tos, best practices, and questions, Easy Way is there. Give it a go. They're with over 100 distributors. 
um, and they're always available to help um, to, to help out your chemistry. So thanks so much, Easy Way. We appreciate you. Last but not least, GraphX Source. We were next to their booth over at Long Beach, um, and it was great working together because GraphX Source works really well with Printavo. And um, essentially what they're doing is they handle SEPs, mockups, creative art, order management, digitizing, back office admin, and customer service. But they work in your existing workflow. So their team, their train, they have like hundreds of people that they train to be able to handle production art and order entry for you and uh, give them a shot. They're awesome. Um, you know, you've got a couple artists too, Ferry. We just, just brought on our added. third one. Ooh. So now we have three, one doing back office building online stores, two that are going to be doing art. And uh, yeah, they're part of the team. Actually, one of like, I'm going to, I need to send them some merch, but uh, GraphX is a no brainer. Y'all should do it. Heck yeah. GraphXSource.com for your needs. Mention Printavo Pod. That'll get you half off your first vector sap or embroidery digitizing order. All right, let's jump on in. We're recording. We're live. Andrew. Welcome. Thank you. Um, so Andrew James, uh, PMI tape, you guys were a big part of print hustlers this, this past year, which was awesome. Uh, thank you for, for doing that too, which was really cool. You built a wall of tape. Uh, literally you guys brought in an insane amount of tape for everybody to be able to try. So that was, no, thank you for including us. Yeah. That's fun to be a part of. All right, Bruce, um, set a record at long beach. <laughs> Jay, Andrew, could huh. you tell us a little bit about Bruce's record? He and did set a record. It was impressive in its own way. Uh, Bruce got the slowest time to tape up a screen frame. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was a record. You're right. Yeah. 30, 40 seconds per side. Or yeah. Like something like that. Like the total time was, yeah, 33 seconds. It was definitely awful. Maybe, Chris, you, could, you should pop up like the footage from uh, real quick from Ferrigs and, and my uh, taping. I think I beat Steven, though, so that's good. No, At least no, no, quality. no, hold on. At least on quality. So, Andrew, okay, then me and Justin Lawrence competed. And yeah. I need this on camera. He didn't, I mean, he, he like put his hands so, up at like nine seconds. Can I get some, can I get an official ruling? Please. Well, there is, there was an official rule. It had to be a usable screen frame and his was not usable. So even if he was quicker, he was out <laughs> by disqualification. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, that, that's it. Okay, Justin, um, you are disqualified until <laughs> next time. Second place then. Okay. But nice. then Kyle Caldwell does not hold the record for the record. Who, who had the record from Long Beach? Uh, Kyle does from Long Beach, but the oh. record, um, a guy from PSI in Australia, uh, Martin, he got like 6.58 seconds, but he wasn't at the show. So technically he doesn't win, but that's still the world record for the fastest. But wasn't he blindfolded team. too? Yeah, he did one blindfolded. It's a, what? Wait, seriously? Yeah. Wait, is this it's video one, online? Yeah, we posted it. Um, Oh, it's on your, okay. Te uh, text the link back. So Chris, maybe you could pop this video up uh, on Instagram here so people could see it. That is unbelievable. <laughs> All right, real quick. I got to tell you something. This is really interesting. And here's why. 
We formed a company called Inktavo. You may have heard of it, but it has three different brands right now. Printavo, Inksoft, and Graphics. So we're all sister companies now, a big happy family. What we're able to do is Printavo's managing your shop management and workflow organization. Inksoft can run your website and handle online stores at scale. So running multiple different stores for fundraisers, schools, um, company stores, and everything in between. And Graphics Flow is a brand new product to be able to help reduce all the back and forth with art. So it has a huge art library that you can put on your website so customers can see and pluck what they want. Plus, you can also be able to collect different ideas and send them to customers to approve as well. Really, really cool. Plus, in-app editing. It's like Canva, but specifically for shops. All right, check it out. All those brands are on inktavo.com. That's inktavo.com. All right, thanks. Um, okay. So we're going to dive into tape today because I think it's super fascinating and there's a lot of stuff going on, but I have to say, if you look at a live activation and selling, um, and using like influencers in our space before we really dive into that, can we talk about what your relationships like, like how, like Kyle's on Instagram crushing it? Cause I think you guys have taken a really cool position in selling tape can Thank you talk you. to us about that a little bit? You know, we really haven't done anything unique, in my opinion, to do that. Um, we've worked with Shirt Kong for a while, and um, we just have a you know friendship in the industry there, and um, haven't really done anything to to make that happen, other than just uh, having friends in the industry. I mean, I don't know. I kind of look at it as like the same way Andy helped out with uh, M and R and the and the. Cobra or whatever. Right, Bruce? Like mm-hmm. this is an interesting, I don't know, just kind of cool that you guys have, cause like my printers wanted PMI tape because they see influencers in the space using it. That's cool. Like Kyle, which is kind of neat. I think there's yeah, more that, of that. That's neat. Space. It's, uh, yeah, you should definitely keep pushing, pushing that, uh, the timer. <laughs> I know we were thinking that we wouldn't do it next year or I was thinking we wouldn't just because I hate to do it every year. And then we're known as the screen tape competition company at the show. And I, I, I don't know. We need leaderboard. to think of something else. Like, I think there's a, yeah, I, I think there's like a top 10 leaderboard that you bring around. Right. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's people true. Are just competing for a slot. Um, yeah. Or a contest and they can win something or something like that. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think it's so fun to, to, to put it to, you know, keep putting it together, like a, the biggest tape ball or I don't know. There's like fun ways to spin <laughs> We'll it. think of something. Of like, yeah, doesn't exactly. really have to do with the quality of the tape of which I'm sure it's amazing, but it's just like the fun stuff around it that cuts through the noise. Yeah. You should figure out a, like a 50, 50 raffle where it's 10 bucks to participate and the winner gets the other half or something. And, uh, someone walks away with like $10,000 and a year supply of tape. And who, who gets get the other wild half? Andrew? Yeah. I don't know. Charity PMI or tape. The yeah. tape the, yeah, just the us. Grand yeah. Tape challenge. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Maybe because you, uh, you get people practicing all year, you know, before Long Beach there, yeah. you get a fun little, you get a fun little crowd. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, PMI tape. <laughs> I think it's cool because it's like, there's so many really neat marketing things and nobody's done that, you know, for selling tape. And this is your guys's thing of which excited to be able to talk about, because I was like, wait, Andrew, you and your dad started this, this, like you guys make actual tape? What does that actually mean? So tell us just a little bit about PMI tape and how it got started. 
Yeah. So uh, my dad started PMI in 1990 and um, I've grown up in the business. That's all I know. And uh, he started it out as a packaging supply company that also kind of specialized in unique tapes. And there was a big screen printer in Indianapolis that's still here. Uh, they're one of the largest in the country. And they came to him and said, if you know, you can put together a tape that's not sticky on one half and is sticky on the other half, then we'd use it for screen printing. Because uh, before this split tape, uh, it was a split liner tape. So it was just like a regular tape, but then it had a release liner across the whole thing. And that liner was cut down the middle. And what people would do is they would take half the liner off of that tape and leave the other half on it. And then they would stick, you know, the sticky part against now the mesh and then leave the part of the tape with the liner up against the frame. And that was kind of what people did, but it was crazy expensive because you had that liner and then it had to be cut down the middle. And uh, this large customer was like, hey, if you can just make a tape that's not sticky on one half, then it would work. Um, so that's why it's called split tape is because it's not split liner tape. Uh, we got rid of the liner. So now it's just split tape. So it started in 1990. What year did, yeah. like roughly was, did somebody ask? About, that was like 93. Oh, interesting. And, um, so still kind yeah. of early on the journey. What, what where, yeah. where were the packaging and, and taping sold to before? Like what industries before screen printing? Really um, medical. Um, also that same company, they were buying bags and um, like packing tape, uh, just custom packaging supplies was kind of our niche. And um, since then, we've kind of morphed into just focusing on tapes. Uh, about 10 years ago, we have kind of slowly made that transition and we've dropped the packaging side of the business. So PMI stands for Packaging Materials Incorporated. Uh, but we really only do tape. We don't do packaging supplies anymore. And, hmm, and the tape that we do, we focus on really just specialty niche tapes. Um, anywhere where we can add a, a value, something that no one else is doing. Uh, we kind of stay away from Me Too products. Like we don't do a packing tape or a masking tape or even like a regular paper pallet tape. Uh, we just kind of focus on stuff where we can do something different and make it more efficient and really add value. So as I'm looking on your website, yep. um, Andrew, you sell split tape, full adhesive tape, quick rip, dual tack pallet tape, two dispensers, and that's it. Yeah. Um, tell us about uh, you narrowing, like, have you thought to sell to other industries, whatever? And you're like, you've really created a niche here, right? Like uh, very few times. I, I have a lot of respect for companies that sell a lot of one thing instead of a lot of one thing things. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. We, we like to make it simple. And um, those are our key four products plus in the two dispensers. But um, we'll get people that say, hey, you know, I like the split tape, but can you make it clear? Or can you make the blocks a little different size? So we do that. And, you know, we have hundreds of SKUs for, you know, different types of split tapes uh, that we do for people when they need something custom. But we kind of start with the four main products and just keep it simple. If we put, you know, all those hundreds of variations on our website of every different screen tape, um, you know, people would request a, an unusual one that we don't sell a lot of. And then we just have kind of a mess of different products out there. Uh, the other thing is we sell through distributors and 
keeping it simple as far as our product line really helps the dealers. Where if, you know, all we're selling is a screen tape and we have 300 different types of screen tapes, that would be really hard for a dealer to try to keep hmm. anything in stock. How do you deal with the custom stuff then? Is it like a minimum order quantity of, of length or rolls to for for someone to be able to do that? Yeah, in general, it's like eight cases is a minimum order quantity for something custom. Uh, if someone needs like a custom coated product, uh, we don't run into that very often. But if someone needs a different adhesive altogether or a different adhesive thickness, we can do that too. But then it's like a two pallet minimum order quantity for something like that. Gotcha. What's yeah. the split between screen printing adhesive, like your your customers that are in the screen printing space and like other industries? Like what what other industries does PMI tape sell to? Are there ones bigger than screen printing or... Screen printing is the biggest one for you all. Screen printing is our biggest. And uh, our second biggest is the flooring industry. We've got a separate brand. It's called, yeah, Floorbond. It's floorbondtape.com. It's a whole separate product, separate brand. And um, it's for installing flexible flooring. Does your dad, do you have a brother or another, you know, like that runs that side of it or? No, I I do have a brother, but he's never really (laughs) been interested in the family business. Uh, when so, I was little, I always knew I wanted to be in tape and, um, even knew I wanted to sit right here. So like my whole life, um, you know, this is what I always wanted to do and went to school for industrial engineering, knowing that, you know, I'd be dealing with this type of equipment and everything. And my brother, um, I'd love it if he joined, like he's always welcome to, and we'd have a lot of fun working together. Uh, but he's, he's more interested in flying. He's a pilot and teaches flight lessons and runs a more sexy than Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use your degree, uh, like with, with maybe the chemistry of tape or how it, you know, works? Yeah. Cause I, you know, a lot of us obviously have just sort of figured things out on the job in a way, which I'm sure you're doing still too. But yeah. I, I do wish that I was involved in maybe six Sigma or like other stuff <laughs> that could really apply um, day to day from a, an educational perspective, but did, did that help? It does. Yeah. Uh, as far as like what I learned, um, you know, the exact principles don't really apply, but in general, uh, industrial engineering was about streamlining processes and six Sigma. Um, Where'd so you go to school, Andrew? Purdue. Yeah. See, those are where all the smart, see, I didn't do so. I was in engineering. I didn't do so hot. I uh, thought it would be more fun to sell t-shirts and Bruce was, you know, doing something else. But, uh, yeah, you actually went to school to like learn. Um, no, that's what my degree was. Yeah. (laughs) When you, when, so, so with the business, it's 1993 and someone comes up to say, Hey, can you actually make this for this different industry? How did the R and D process work to to go back, you know, and and innovate? Like, I, it feels like it's not just like, yeah, you know, toil away and then here a, a day later. Um, was that a long process? It, or or better a, yet, Andrew, yeah. you were what you were watching your dad in your you're watching your dad go through this too, mm-hmm. right? You know, at the time, I didn't really know exactly what was going on. Um, you know, I just knew that he sold packaging supplies and. Um, We'd come here on the weekends and we have a go-kart here that we'd run around out back and uh, kind of play in the boxes and stuff. But as far as like the R&D work that went into it, it was about a year of just back and forth trial and error. 
You know, you put together one thing, gave it to them and they said, you know, this part we like, but we don't like this. And uh, it was just mm. back and forth for about a year. And like uh, what, like the, the adhesive or like the, yeah. The like what's the chemistry or the, with the makeup or? of tape? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. The adhesive is a big part of it. Um, we compound our own adhesive here and uh, there's a lot that goes into that chemistry. Uh, as okay, far okay. as what does yeah. that mean? You compound your own adhesive. Like, so we, yeah, <laughs> we take different base components and, uh, we've got a 110 gallon automated mixer and it loads in the right amount of each component. And we'll add pigment to make the tape white or that yellowish look that the quick rip has. And we'll add tackifiers to modify it in certain ways. And, um, there's, an infinite number of ways to modify an adhesive, but by mixing it, we can modify it however we need to, and we can kind of customize it to do exactly what it needs to do. I believe that's how post-it notes were made where they were just messing around with adhesives. Um, and hmm. they just happened to create it. I, I have to, uh, look up the exact story, but basically they were toying around with stuff like that. And it was like, Oh, it, it sticks, but it doesn't stick like that heavily. And, so and Andrew, yeah, when did you guys start bringing that? Did you always do that in house? Like no, that we seems contracted like a pretty big out. Lift. Yeah. Yeah. To go straight from nothing to all that manufacturing. Uh, we didn't do that. Uh, we started out by just doing the converting in house. So we contracted out the coating and the slitting of the jumbo rolls. And then here we had uh, smaller presses to convert it into the finished product. And by that, it's taking bigger rolls, unwinding them, slitting them, and putting the deadened adhesive area on the tape. So we would do that in-house because there's really nowhere else to go to get that done. Uh, but then it was about 10 years ago when we made the shift from packaging and tapes to just tapes where we brought everything in-house. And huh. that was a crazy process. Uh we like, I'm yeah. just trying to imagine what these machines look like and maybe Bruce would be a fun, fun shop <laughs> tour when we're in Indy. Oh, like, I sent the email actually. Uh, this what morning. is the process? So, okay. You make the compound yep. and then you have the, like the fab, the material and that has to get like, how, how does raw material, how is tape even freaking made? Like you've given us one part of it. Walk us through the rest of it. Yeah. So we mix the adhesive and, uh, we've got a coating line that we had designed for this. Uh, the adhesive that we coat is all UV cured. And there's not many people in the country doing UV cured adhesives. Most of it is a solvent-based adhesive or a water-based adhesive. And the problem with those is that if you expose those to solvent or water, they go back to the liquid state where the UV adhesive, once it's cured by light, um, it's kind of like a candle versus an egg. Other adhesives are like a candle and you can always bring them back down to liquid where the UV adhesive is more like an egg. And once you cure it with the UV light, then it's solidified and you can't break it back down to a liquid. So that's kind of why our tape works so well for screen printing, because you can expose it to any type of ink, any heat, and it really doesn't matter. It'll always stay together and not leave residue. So the coating line uh, we had put together, um, it takes the adhesive out of 55-gallon drums, pumps it through a heated hose, and it's extruded through a die that 
then coats the adhesive onto the film. And from there, it's cured by UV light. And there's all these chilled rollers in the coating line to keep it all cool because that process is pretty hot. And then it rewinds the rolls. They end up five feet wide by 14,000 feet long. So each roll is about 2,000 pounds. It's you know pretty big around. And then from there, we've got slitters that will take the jumbo rolls and unwind them, cut them, and then rewind them. Holy cow. There's a lot that goes into tape. Wait, wait. <laughs> how, how does the... Pro- okay, so explain the part where... You, like, how do you get the adhesive so thinly on the... on? Let's, I'm just going to call it the paper part. Um, yeah. You know, that it's not... I, I'm just thinking of, like, I'm laying glue on something, right? And it's uh-huh. like it's yeah, bubbling spraying up. spraying it or something. Right. It's, is that what it is? It's sort of like spraying it down, like on a, like a pressure washer type? It's actually a plastic extrusion die that's made for adhesive coating. And it coats the adhesive at one-third the thickness of a hair, plus or minus 10%. Oh, so the, the tolerance is incredible with that. And to measure that as we're coating, we've got an electron microscope that scans back and forth. And it looks at just the adhesive thickness and ignores the film that's under it. And then it displays on a graph near the coating line the thickness profile. So we can see if it's too thick in one area, too thin in another and see if it's within tolerance. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. How, how, yeah. Come, how come like presses don't have this? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a little pricey, but no, no. So seriously. Okay. This R and D process, this is what's missing in our industry. Like we were just joking about like, can I just know if my press is running on my iPhone or not? And here you yeah. are measuring like, crazy because you have to be consistent at scale, right? Yep. How, yeah. What was that investment? Like, where did you guys find this technology? How much is that machine, Andrew? Yeah. Is there an underground trade show world of a lot smarter people that we're missing right now? Like it's not smarter people. (laughs) I wouldn't say smarter people, but there are trade shows for the tape industry. And, uh, we, we talk to every coating line manufacturer, and believe it or not, there's a dozen of them, and uh, went all over the world to meet with the different ones, to look at their machines in person before we bought it. And uh, then when you buy it, it's not a stock machine. It's something that's custom made based on the adhesive that you're coating, the film that you plan on coating, and there's a lot of design wow. work that goes into it. So it, it takes... So this... It's a like a million a dollar machine or something. It's pricey. Yeah, like what's... Yeah. yeah. Bruce and I have no interest in getting into the tape business. Don't yeah. worry. We <laughs> print shirts and, you know. Man, that's super fascinating. Um, I I just... I want to see the shop. Oh, this is going to be kind of yeah, cool. How many yeah, employees, yeah, no, it'd be fun. How many employees are there running? Like what, what, what does volume or output look like? Because you're essentially... You're running production, right? Yeah. No differently than you and I, like I am. What What yeah. is... What is a typical shift? How many units are y'all creating? How many employees are there? Like paint that picture for us. It's a, uh, we're pretty small and lean. Uh, we've got 12 employees and the first shift starts at 4.30 in the morning. And uh, the second shift starts at um, around 8 a.m. Uh, so we've got tons of overlap time in there and that's for cleaning and uh, maintenance. And um, then ultimately we end up shutting down at 4 p.m. So we're kind of running almost 12 straight hours every day. 
And uh, that's it's keeping up. I think we might need to extend that, but it, it works for now. Let's just talk about the overall business for a second. You know, you're, you're in there. Do you have like a production, a mad scientist chemist? Is that you? Um, you obviously have like, you're selling to distributors. What's like the organizational makeup of PMI tape? Yeah. With our business, uh, selling to distributors makes so much sense because we're one component of everything that you guys purchase. And, uh, to sell direct would be so hard to take an order here for two rolls there for a case there for six rolls. Uh, so by working with distributors, they um, can take care of all of our customers and uh, they do a, a much better job at it than we could, uh, where it would require <laughs> such a large sales staff for us to do that. Um, so it, that model works out really well for us. And um, that's it kind of allows us to be lean for sure. As far as like the chemistry part of it, when we're putting together a new product, uh, our adhesive manufacturer, uh, he, there's a PhD chemist. He's a doctor of, I think even like dispersion adhesive technology, which I don't know where you go to get that, but he, he's a really smart guy with adhesives and uh, we've worked with him for a long time. And anytime we need Is to modify like a something, or? no, uh, because we're buying the adhesive from this company, he he'll just help out whenever we need it. It's built into their company. Got um, it. Every coding company, from what I understand, you kind of have a sales rep plus then a chemist to help. So that that works out really well. We're we're not putting together new products that often. So when we do, we can use his help, and uh, it's perfect. Unbelievable! This feels like some next level stuff. How how, how many <laughs> rolls? Just for my uh, knowledge, how many? Like, what's the length of tape that you guys make? Call it per day. Say like so you know, sixty it, miles 14, or something. In a day, we'll make eight of those jumbo rolls, and they're fourteen thousand feet long. Um, eight times like, ten, one twenty-two, one twelve, something like that. So it's about 20 miles of tape, five feet 112, wide. 112, 5,280 feet. Yeah, there you go. Boom. Yeah. This is absolutely incredible. Uh, wait, how many miles per day was that? I was flaunting uh, let me my double ability check. to do mental math. 20 miles Yeah, 21. We do other what? products as well, not just screen printing. So there's the flooring tape um, and then some other smaller ones. But, uh, but the flooring tape is a high volume one as well. Bruce, do you have any more questions on this? Because I want to talk about like advantages of PMI tape because I've had an interesting journey of like a business partner that wouldn't let us switch. Um, <laughs> what do you, I mean, I think um, uh, I, I think my last one really is just like, what are what are your challenges with the business? Like, is it is it a sales thing? Is it a is it just like a constant product like chemistry management and supply chain there or uh yeah, what do, what, my, what do you guys think about it all the time? My main challenge isn't so much a sales thing um, because we've got our distributors and uh, we'll support them however we possibly can. Uh, we've got our sales side set uh, really well uh, as far as like our assistance there with our distributors. But um, it you know kind of comes down to manufacturing headaches, uh, supply chain, if a crucial piece of equipment breaks, um, we, we don't have mechanical issues very often. Uh, now that 
everything's been running long enough and we've got all the bugs worked out and we have systems in place to uh, prevent things from going wrong. But we we don't have many mechanical issues very often, but when we do, then I like to be involved uh, because you know we only have one coding line and if that goes down, then that's catastrophic. Mm. And the coding line was made in the UK. So all the parts are usually custom with a couple month lead time. And then we also have to get it from the UK. So we, we can get the parts and everything, but it's really crucial to make sure that the coding line is running. And um, the challenge with that can be that whenever we have an issue with it, I need to be involved because it's, it's so crucial. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it's and, such and I, an interesting niche. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I enjoy being a part of troubleshooting that stuff. Um, I, I don't mind it, but you know, you can kind of fall into a trap when you're at the office, it's easy to jump in and help with stuff and that's great. But then you leave town for a trade show for a week and something goes wrong. And it's like, you know, I've always fixed that every time, you know, no one else knows how to do that. Bruce will tell you funny stories of when the two of us are traveling and the texts and calls I get, uh, like spending $1,400 to overnight five packages that weren't due on Monday. That happened on Friday. I got a weird call. Uh, but I, okay. I have a couple questions, um, in regards to like the advantages of it. So when I first started out at campus sportswear, old school business partner went and bought tape from Harbor freight, like white yep. tape. And he's like, ah, oh, this is, Two fifty a piece, you know, we don't need that, you know, it's too expensive. We're not spending seven, eight bucks a roll. And uh it just always looked awful. It was disgusting. It was gross. It took forever. But he was like, it he didn't he didn't look at the like the efficiencies of it. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's tons of shops out there that use shitty tape. Give us your like 10, 15 second spiel on what, cause you guys will openly say this isn't cheap, you know? Yeah. What, what yeah. do you tell shops out there that are like that? I can do it in five seconds. So the, go for the, it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so when people do a time study with a split tape compared to a packing tape, usually they find that they save an hour of cleaning per roll of tape. So while the roll of tape might be $9, you're buying an hour of time with that roll. So that, that, that usually helps people to time. justify the efficiency. Yeah. And are people like, nah, I just do it. It doesn't, cause like I really had a stubborn business partner, um, yep. that like would laugh, like be like, hell no, we're never doing that kind of thing. I don't know, Bruce, do you see this a lot when you go into shops? Like I feel people like they don't, they don't, the light bulb doesn't go off until you try it, but they try to cut corners by being super cheap about crappy, crappy tools and supplies. I don't know. I feel like there's a video here. Like literally uh time study right next to each other, record someone doing it one way and then record them again, doing it the other way. And just yeah, like, I don't think it's as much of an issue. And Andrew, you could, you know, putting the tape on, it's really when the screens yeah. are done and you're taking them off, like, exactly. You, you know, you can keep split tape on for a minute and it'll be fine and you can pull it easily. You can't keep other tape on, you know, for a while. And, um, you know, there, there's a bunch of stuff to it. Okay. So that's, that's one side of it. Yeah. Now let's talk shit about night owl printing. All right, Eric Salman, if you're listening to this, Eric doesn't use tape. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what do you have to say to Eric Salman who does not use tape? Who Hi, buys Eric. oversized screens? Yes. Hi, so uh, with <laughs> the oversized screens, um, I mean, it, 
definitely try it and everything. I, you know, it'd be worth taking a look at. But uh, from what I've heard, you spend more on emulsion and um, mm-hmm. and then everything is a unique size as well. So you're dealing with custom sizes. But as far as like tapeless in general, um, you know, I would never bad mouth it. I think you should try new things and always take a look at other options. Um, but in general, uh, we see people coming back to tape after they go tapeless. And with the frames that are glued on the edges to kind of create a permanent mask of tape, uh, you know, it, we heard some people saying, oh, yeah, we're trying that stuff. And that's great. And then they come back and it's like, you know, why, why did that not work? Yeah. And usually it's, and... yeah, yeah. Um, the reclaim can be more of a mess because the um, water's not shooting straight through the mesh. It's bouncing back. And also that permanent glue can crack and then you've got a leak there. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, we, we see both sides of it for sure. Are you thinking about that though? Like, do you not want to wake up one day and be like, "Uh Oh, this new way got invented and no one needs tape anymore. Like, are you thinking about or have tried things out that are different than tape to pivot? Or are you like, if God forbid that happens someday, like, that's when, that's when we're done. Like, have you, yeah. How much are you thinking about what's, what's coming next? You know, uh, there's really nothing I can do about if there's a shift in the industry. Uh, but it's been like that for a long time where people need tape and there have been so many different ways to try to get around it, but yet people keep coming back. Um, but I mean, that's Mm. not to say that we're invincible and it's never going to go away. Uh, but there's nothing that we can do to change anything. And, um, that's why we've got diversity in other industries as well. Uh, but I mean, yeah, that would suck if people, Let, all of wait, a let's pivot for a second. Do you guys do heat applied tape for transfers? We do not. Okay. Uh, with that's, the that's product yeah. number six. Yep. With our coating line, uh, you know, it only does UV adhesives and that's not a UV adhesive. So with all the products that we make, we find niches where this particular type of adhesive can really add value. And we go after those. And if if this adhesive that is more expensive doesn't add value, then it doesn't really make sense for us to do it. Okay. One more industry like thing, dual tack palette tape. Talk to us about that. So that is putting down palette tape instead of using spray adhesive or liquid adhesive, right? Talk to us about yep. that. It's How a much two-sided palette tape. Um, okay. We push it quite a bit. We talk about it at the trade shows and everything. Um, it's it's a newer product for us, a couple years old, but um, it's still newer for us. Uh, but it's, it is a two-sided palette tape. So instead of putting down a paper palette tape and then either a spray adhesive or a water-based glue, this, it's a clear film and you put it down in the palette, put it directly on the palette, not on top of another paper palette tape. And it completely prevents the need to apply adhesive to your palettes. So if it's a spray tack, it saves that mess from the spray ultimately drifting all over the place and sticking to the equipment. And the water-based adhesive takes time to cart on. So this, it comes pre-tacked. And the bigger shots like it because it's consistent every time. You don't get one guy that puts down too much glue or too little. And this guy doesn't let the glue dry. So then it transfers to the inside of the shirts. It's just consistent every time. Um, And then once lint builds up, you can wipe it off with water and a sponge. And 
honestly, the problem that we're seeing with it is that it lasts too long. And that's, you know, people will use a lot more paper palette tape than they do the dual tack palette tape because this, it's a strong film. The adhesive lasts for a long time. Um, so it's, it's exciting and everything and, um, people like it, but for our sales, they, it almost lasts too long. You know, one, one roll lasts a while. So <laughs> interesting. We so can make it worse. Like, yeah. Yeah. You should just make it like, cause that's what I was going to ask is how yeah. frequently one of my biggest pet peeves is seeing like someone like tear the shirt off, like, you know, like too mm -hmm. much, too much glue. Um, you know, Bruce never even used spray adhesive. He used hairspray probably. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Elmer's glue. Elmer, Bruce used Elmer's glue, uh, or like, yeah, but, um, okay. Like how, how often would you have to change out that palette tape? Is it, is it once a day, once a week, obviously different based on fleece or not, but like, yeah, if, if you gave me a roll today, how often would my guys be changing it? Usually a few thousand garments before you have to replace it, but you're right. It depends on if it's fleece, then it burns it up a lot faster because you have to clean it so much more. And as you clean it, that kind of wears it away. Uh, but with like polyesters, it lasts a really long time because that doesn't generate much lint and you can continually stick a shirt to it, pull it off, stick it to it and pull it off. And it doesn't really change the adhesive on it. So, um, I mean, some people have told us 20,000 shirts, but, but that's not hmm. something I would expect, but it, it just depends on the garment type. It, it would be really smart. Yeah. It'd be really smart for a new printer as well too. Like, you know, I feel like nailing down your tack is such a it's like there's a little bit of an art and a finesse to it um and it's like if if any new screen printer is like hey just make sure you have this but i'm curious to try it too i'll be i'll be frank we have not tried it or or spent enough time with it but i remember smarcott showed it to us once or something like that so um that could be that could be super cool so thanks for sharing yeah the hardest part is a change in process and when you get into a shop and they're used to putting down their paper pallet tape this certain way, they apply their particular adhesive this certain way. And just like anything, when you show them a new process, it can be kind of tricky to, to change an old process. So that's kind of the biggest challenge that we run into with it is um, people that are set doing it that particular way and getting them to try something new. But, but we always, have the mindset that we'll give out tons of samples for people to test hmm. with our split tape and dual tack palette tape. It's more expensive than other options. And if you just look at it online, you know, you'll see the price is more and you'll read that it works better, but until you really try it and see it for yourself and see how that one roll, wow, that really did save us an hour, then it's hard to make that decision. So we're, we're always giving out samples and, um, are happy to do that to anyone that wants to try it. What do you think uh, for for PMI tape? I, I, to Ferg's point too, like I love the focus of a couple products. I, I feel like that's absolutely the goal of any company is, is to the, the the better you do. I feel like is the more focused it can it becomes. So you get really really narrowed in, and, and everybody is dialed in from the sales to production and customer service and everything like that. But I mean, do you see that changing or where do you see the company going over the next five years? I see um, more just hitting niche products and um, kind of staying on the the business plan that we've always had where we have, 
you know, one product for the flooring industry and we hit that one product hard. There's no different variations attack for that product. It's just this one. It's only two inch wide. And I, I really enjoy that uh, because we'll put a lot of work into the front end to make sure that that one construction is perfect. And um, and then it, it makes it simple. And people like simple yeah. when it comes to picking out different products. Where'd the, where'd the flooring idea come from? Is someone like a friend that asked, can I, can you do it? But for my job, you know, the UV adhesive is so good in all sorts of conditions. Uh, it's used in construction applications because it's temperature resistant, UV resistant. And, um, I mean, it's just a super stable tape. So we figured it would work well with flooring and, uh, kind of went after that. So, okay, like the biggest (laughs) tape supplier is like 3M, right? Or maybe Mm -hmm. it's 3M. I have no idea. Uh, Like, why haven't you tried to make a painter's tape or a green tape or whatever that is? Like, I know you said earlier you don't really, but have you, you're like, wait, our UV is awesome. Like, you know, everyone buys blue tape. Why don't we make pink tape or something? Have you thought about that at all? You know, uh, we really look for an area where there's a need for a new product and with a painter's tape or something like that, for example, or a packing tape, if the current solution is already working really well, then we stay away from it because then we're just competing on price and that's no fun. Um, so we, we find an area where there's a void, like in the flooring industry before floor bond, there was no super permanent tape for installing flooring. You had glue and then there were tapes and still are tapes, but they're not as strong as the glue where the floor bond tape is as strong as the glue, but it's still a tape. So we kind of find areas where um, something's missing and then focus on that. That's really hard to say no. Like that's one of the hardest things mm-hmm. in business to like chase it and be like, oh, we'll just do that. Everyone else is doing it. And then like you're almost doing the opposite. You're like, nope. Um, and that takes a lot of discipline. I'm curious, like, you know, your dad's obviously built up this company. Um, I've, you know, you're kind of stepping into some shoes, big shoes to fill. What's that relationship like with your dad, uh, who really like paved the way and now like teaching you and transferring these skills to you and the same discipline. Cause I, what I hear is a lot of the same like roots and discipline that someone Mm -hmm. really seasoned in business might say, I don't know, Bruce, if you kind of feel the same way, like a lot of the decisions and things you're saying, Andrew, are not what the typical millennial business owner are trying to do. Yeah. I'm curious to know what, what that relationship's like with your dad and and what that impact has, has been for you. We, so I've been involved in the business since I was, um, you know, like 15, I was doing the SGIA shows and I think you had to be 16 to get in. And I would kind of sneak in through the security guard. And um, one time they stopped to card me, which was kind of strange. But I mean, I naturally looked young, um, especially then at 15. I looked like I was eight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she stopped Wait, me. Andrew, how and, old are you? We could, yeah. Well, that's what she said. She's like, hey, no, no, no. Like, you know, you, you have to be 16. How, how old are you? And I just looked at her and said, how old are you? And that she was older and she just got thrown off and I kept walking in and that was it. (laughs) So I got carded once, uh, but kept on going. And, um, so I've always been involved in the business and, um, honestly, my dad and I see eye to eye on just about everything regarding the business, which 
we're really fortunate in that way. Uh, I can't imagine how hard it would be if there were disagreements and everything. And, you know, I really wanted to take the business this way and he wanted to go that way. But uh, we honestly see eye to eye on really most things, especially the big stuff. So that, that really helps. Do you guys have Are, patents on the way this tape's made? We do on the way that it's made. Yeah. Got it. So that holds. I, yeah. I mean, this just, I, I mean, I, I feel like hats off because I feel like this is such an incredible <laughs> niche. It's protected. It's legally protected. It's like this, you know, innovative product that the more people, I, I'm assuming there's, and you guys probably have just like a minority share because like, you know, your old partner, Steven, there's so many other people that are just buying tape off the shelf or whatever at Uline or, you know, um, so diving in is, uh, yeah. I feel like there's a lot there. Um, anything else you feel like that's interesting about PMI tape or the process that people don't know about or are surprised when they learn? So we, uh, right after COVID, uh, just like everyone, labor was hard to find. And um, we, we actually saw a surge in business quite a bit right after COVID because of that labor shortage. And people were hmm. all of a sudden going from, you know, I don't want to spend money on this fancy tape that saves time. And now when it's the owner back there cleaning screens, he has no problem spending $9 on a roll and <laughs> saving an hour of his own time. So uh, when that labor shortage hit, we really saw a, uh, a surge in business that happened quickly. And we struggled with the labor shortage too, uh, you know, finding people that would stay and um, were helpful and everything. So we decided to automate and uh, bring in robotic arms to completely automate the packaging process. Uh, and the theory with that is that that's going to speed the guys up by 30% because they don't have to pack all the rolls in the cases. They can drop them on a conveyor belt. It'll bring it to one central area and then the robots will do the rest. And at the end of the day, they'll have tape palletized, ready to go. And on surface level, it was great. We started with <laughs> one robotic arm uh, his name's Robbie, and all he does is take the rolls from the conveyor belt, and when it's six rolls back, enough for a six-pack, it'll pick up two at a time and put them on an automatic L-bar sealer, and it forms a six-pack, sends it through a heat tunnel, and we started with that, and that maybe took like a day to program. So I figured, well, let's get three more arms to take the six-packs, put them in a queue, another arm to take boxes out of different lanes and have those two work together to pack the boxes and then another arm to palletize everything and figured, you know, if the first robot took a day to program three more arms, three days, it, that, that was not the case. It took um, about a year to get it all bug free. And the trouble was getting the arms to work together. I mean, they communicate with each other, but the problem is upstream, if one has a problem, then the others downstream keep on going and that creates faults and then they all get jammed up. Or if a box is glued funny and it's trying to open up that box, then that arm still continues to move like it has a box in its arm. The other one starts packing it and then it sends it through a case sealer and there's no box. Andrew, did you so, do all this programming? I did. Wait, what, and, yeah, what, what do you mean by programming a robotic arm? Yeah, like I could barely, yeah. It's, and it's, where do you buy a robotic arm? It sounds arm? more impressive. Yeah, do you, do you, you have a link to yeah. this 
<laughs> there, it's like, so it's, uh, I, I can send you guys a video of the packaging line that we have, but they're universal robots is the brand universal. And robots. Okay. they are, they're kind of like the apple of robotic arms. They're super user friendly. They're called cobots because they're designed to work alongside people where a typical arm, like what you'd see at an automotive factory, if it hits somebody, it would push them through a wall and kill them. Where these arms, if they hit like five pounds of force, it stops. So they're designed to work alongside people. So that's important. So no one dies. And mm, I think I saw they this also make them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they're they're out there. Um, I mean, and that's a really good brand of an arm. Um, and they're pretty easy to program. Each one comes with a tablet, and it's just simple code right there. Um, they make it user friendly. And then you can add sensors and tie those in to the code. Holy so, God. Right. Can you share how much a robot costs, a robot arm? Dude, Bruce, they're public on the site. You can just, you know. It just says request a quote. I have to. Oh, oh three grand, It depends. Grand, it, they're um, new anywhere from like 30 to 60 or 70 grand. Uh, uh, oh, there shit. Is that a, crazy? Yeah, there's a dealer of robotic arms near us and they have a showroom and they do classes with these universal universal robots. And uh, we talked to them about getting some new arms and they were like, you know, we've got in our showroom the old 2020 models. We really want to bring in the 2021s, kind of like a car dealership. And they cut us a deal on the demo units that they had so that they could bring in the new models. So huh. we we got these arms at a pretty good discount, um, like half price, uh, just because they were demo arms, which was good that they didn't have any like real production use. Are these called co cobots? Yeah. My cobots. Yeah, they're called cobots. I'm on yeah. uh, shop.elephantrobotics.com, <laughs> and uh, you could get. Uh, there's also robotic pets. Um, I oh, have wow. a rabbit hole. I need to get out of here yeah. quick. Uh, wait, 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 fair. If you bought like <laughs> two robots, what do you think you'd use them in your shop for? Uh, not, not the cat ones. There's some cats on here. Um, like no, I was arms. actually thinking. I was thinking about that. So, um, it's interesting because you know, like the passport could take shirts off the press, and mm -hmm. there's tech and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm wondering if, like, at the end of the dryer. Um, it could do some, some things or, um, could it, could it, could it help the loaders out a little bit? Um, maybe there's ways to put ink into screens or like clean screens out. I don't know. I, what do you, what did you think? Okay, Andrew, you've obviously coded these things. Like yeah. what, if you could put one of your little Robbies in a, sh in my shop, which you should totally drive two hours West and come hang out with me. Um, why couldn't it apply the tape? Yeah. I mean, it's no like variance really so, if, you, if you aligned it and put it all down. The problem with the arms, they're easy to program and easy to use, but it does take a lot of training on, you know, if it hits something, how to get it back to the beginning of the program. And the reason that it took almost a year to get this whole thing bug free is when something faults and it hits something, or if it goes, puts a six pack of tape into the box a little funny you not only have to fix the fault and get it back to the beginning of the program, but now you need to figure out how you can prevent it in the future. And it takes more than an operator to, to really run it because you have to be able to see, Oh, that happened. Let's modify Build the, the program. Feedback loop. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's got to debug. It's got to learn. Yeah. It's got to learn. Yeah. Well, yeah. If they can do that, then Chad GPT hit up. So wait, if it puts like in the box, it's got to like shift it over a little bit, like tap it mm-hmm. a little on the side and. Yeah, it, it goes into the box kind of at an angle right. and then it rotates All right, it inward. Andrew, this is your challenge for ISS 2024. Oh. Figure out how to get these robots to put tape on screens. Yeah, that has tape grippers. The mm-hmm. Universal Robots, they don't sell any attachments. They give you just the arm. And then you have to either buy a third-party attachment or have a machine shop fabricate exactly what you need. And that's what we did um, because we're using one to open up boxes and we had to have a machine shop put together a flap with a pneumatic cylinder on it to open up the box. Um, So they, they don't really sell the fingers for the arm, but they just sell the arm. They're fun, but I would make sure that it's really a process that you can benefit from before putting an arm in place Uh, because it's going to take some engineers to really get it dialed in and working just right. And it takes a lot of time to get it dialed in. It's easy to program. You can do that in a day, but to make it trouble free to where you can leave town for a week and it doesn't really have any issues. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. I I think the, the glaring message that Bruce and I are echoing is our industry needs this. Like we need, like they're right, Bruce. Like, I mean, I, I could see it of my very naive brain here right now. It's just like, there's two arms, one that's actually like rotating the screen around the other ones, uh, you know, laying tape and then they work together to, to apply it in the corner. How but, funny if you could run a manual press, like it holds a squeegee and pulls ink across the screen. <laughs> Create your own automatic. The with up. It. Yeah. You just, you uh-huh. just have to load shirts. Yeah. You build it automatic with these little robots. Hey, I mean, that's, that's how this is, this is made. So this is cool. I, I just, yeah. It's so interesting, the stuff that I think the manufacturing world, it seems to benefit from. Um, And like just knowing that, wow, Andrew has robots. You know what I mean? Like we could have robots too. This is not just an Amazon thing. Andrew, we, uh, we appreciate, I I appreciate like um, just you bringing just wisdom to the industry from your intelligence standpoint, engineering standpoint, R and D standpoint, um, and a, and a cool family business. So this is super rad. Um, yeah, super cool. Check PMI tape out, PMI tape.com. Also the Instagram. And if you'd like to challenge the winners here, the leaderboard at the PMI tape challenge, absolutely post your video and tag them. Yes. uh, Cause you guys have been resharing that. The the world record is six point four eight seconds, and that was go. by Martin in Australia. All right, we got to really ramp it up next year, and there needs to be like a sweepstakes. We'll get Justin Lawrence. He he likes gonna, to gamble a little bit. I'm gonna bit. go. Yeah. I'm gonna have to train. I'm gonna go down to Champaign, um, Illinois. <laughs> I'm gonna train for a couple weeks, like get real sweaty, and you know, have a headband. You got to be able to do it in the dark. <laughs> You'll train and then we'll come up with a totally different contest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hilarious. No, Andrew, this is awesome. Uh, We're we're definitely going to stop in in Indiana um, to check this out. I already sent an email out, so we're going to do it. We'll film it and uh, it'll be pretty neat to see. Yeah, I'd love to show it to you guys. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. 